body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to DRIFT. Here we tell you stories, some you know, some that are new. And the whole reason we're here together right now is to let you totally relax. To escape the day, your worries, even your thoughts, as we journey together to a place of serenity, of peace, and of utter stillness. In a moment, we'll go far, far back in time to share the story of Narcissus and the Echo. And before we begin, let me take a moment to express gratitude to Envy Pillow, a partnership forged in friendship, formed by two registered nurses who had made their mark even before their big appearance on Dragon's Den in Canada. Together, they went ahead without the help of outsiders, and their pillows and other sleep-related products are helping people like me, and maybe you, to get a good night's rest, while also helping the planet. Learn more in the morning. Use the code DRIFT and receive 10% off any purchase at EnvyPillow.com. That's E-N-V-Y Pillow com and sleep with the best. I'd like you now to start with a deep breath. Take it in nice and slowly, holding, and now releasing again slowly, letting go of all the day as you do. And now another cleansing breath in and hold and release. Let's get that message to your entire body. Starting at the top of that busy head of yours, let your head rest heavy on your pillow, your chair back, wherever you are. Make sure you feel a complete release now in your neck. No more work there, hmm? And now your shoulders. Are they down? Let them drop as far as you are able. Now... Feel the relaxation spreading down your arms, your elbows, your forearms. Let your wrists be limp and your fingers idle. Good. Keep your mind on your breath again in and out. As we raise your chest and let it fall, feel that beautiful moment to your belly. Let it fill with air, and then deflate down, down. Are your hips and sit bones feeling like dead weight where you are? Let them do just that. Now, finally, to your legs. They are heavy, sinking into the mattress or chair or floor. Your entire leg doing just that, both legs, and your feet. Flex them now once, and again, 
and then let go and just as we begin our story take one more deep breath and think these words as you exhale really take them in I am safe I am loved I am at peace and if you're ready let's drift what is or perhaps who is echo I'm so glad you asked in the solitudes of the hills she can be found but do you know we may even come upon her quite surprisingly in the cacophony of the city noise she responds to us where the waves are lashing against the rugged cliffs perhaps near the chalky white of Dover or a great lake or perhaps even in the same places where divers show their prowess and boundless courage in Mexico we may hear our echo in the places where once history was made as early as the days when humans first formed words in a cave or a coliseum or in deep wells that brought life to a parched people and fed the fertile lands at the end of the day as the Sun takes its rest and the stars grace the earth with their sparkling presence echo replicates the cry of a wailing bird calling for its mate perhaps a loon over calm waters but it is also she who makes the wall of notes spread its welcome cloak over a congregation in a high ceilinged cathedral she repeats the crack of a gun being fired and it doesn't matter in which land war is being waged in the desolate bush of the countries beneath the equator echo makes the crashing of the limb of an ancient dead tree go on and on for kilometers around and she torments the poor human who is lost so hopelessly lost and facing a cruel death who calls out in despair for help only to hear back his own desperate voice all night long in houses built generations ago she taunts and teases at will and gives life to old stories of restless souls who walk sadly back and forth back and forth but she is not without a joyful voice echoing the delighted squeals of children playing at the seashore or picking wild flowers weeds even in sun-kissed fields and when they greet her with a hello she responds in kind hello, hello. then refills the air with their laughter until the games are through they may fear their friend echo when darkness has descended and they begin to dread the nature that now seems more sinister than merry yet the nymph who only looked for love and failed to find what it was she sought would surely have found some comfort on those brilliant days of spring and summer when she bestowed upon little children happiness and they returned the gift of their innocent love eons ago when the world was still young and fairies 
elves and nymphs made the forests their home. There was no happier, sweeter, and more beautiful nymph than Echo. Diana, the twin sister of Apollo and goddess of the moon, would smile with admiration at Echo's fleetness of foot when she followed her in the chase, and those whom she met in the leafy pathways of the thick, verdant, dark woods would pass her by and remember her chatty and vibrant nature and her knack for tricks and playful practices. Her life was so truly lovely, so it was a dark day, an evil day indeed, when Echo crossed paths with the Queen of the Gods. Hera was her name, and oh, she was filled with jealousy. The goddess was in search of her errant husband. Like a storm, she descended upon the little spirits at play in their carefree manner. But, feeling the approaching front, they began to flee. All, that is, except Echo, who was filled with glee and had herself a mischievous nature. She kept Hera chatting so that the other magical beings might find safety out of the sight of the angry Hera. The goddess's fury ramped up to the pitch of a hurricane. When she found out that the mirthful nymph had dared to play a trick upon her, she spat out words that spelled doom for fair Echo. From this day forward, the tongue you used to carefully cheat me will be tied. No longer will you be able to speak a word in greeting. You will be under the spell of the tongues of others and what they say. You shall have no more words of your own. And, henceforth, until the very end of time, you will only be able to speak the last words, the last sounds that you heard. This is my curse upon you, you wretched little imp. And with that, Hera was gone, her welcome departure coming to the backdrop of a tremendous clap of thunder that shook the trees and frightened all who dwelled within. And so, sweet Echo was now maimed. But most importantly, her heart, her loving and merry heart, remained her own, untouched by the evil that had taken her own gift of expression. But only for a short time did this endure. For now we see a beautiful son of a nymph passing through the lonely forest one day. His name is Narcissus, a river god, and he was spending his day hunting. When Echo laid her sparkling eyes upon him, she could not even catch her breath. Who was this exquisite being, she wondered, and she thought that if she did not win his love, she would surely die. To her, he seemed more fair than any god or man that she had ever laid eyes on, and from that day onward, he was her obsession. 
she followed him like a shadow, haunting him and gliding from tree to tree, snuggling down in the bed of thick ferns and undergrowth and staying as still as a rock while she watched him as though a hunter stalking his prey. Her heart was filled with joy at the mere sight of his beauty. She hungered to see him, and it satisfied her simply to watch over her sweet, beautiful Narcissus while he rested. She only wanted to see his face. That was what made her life complete, day after day. At long last, the perfect moment arrived when Narcissus was alone in the late day dusk, in which the last waning rays of sunlight streaked the pathway of the forest in golds and black. It was then, in that sliver of silence, that he heard the nymph quietly creeping up behind him in the rustling leaves and sharp snaps of brittle twigs that gave way under her tiny feet. Who's there? he called out. There, there. she responded. Narcissus squinted into the encroaching darkness and called again. Come here, then. Here, then, here, then. answered Echo once again with gladness in her voice, for she felt that at last her happy day of uniting with the beautiful Narcissus had arrived. Why do you shun me? Narcissus then called out. Why do you shun me? Echo repeated. Join me here and let's be together, said the young lad, and his words sounded more like a song when Echo recalled them in her reply. Let's be together, she said. And you know, in a blur of grace and beauty she had never shown or known before, the nymph pushed aside the leaves of the cloaked trees and ran in his direction, her arms outstretched to Narcissus, who had cast such a beautiful glow over her thoughts every waking hour for so very long. Ah, but her dream of uniting with her true love was dashed the moment he laid eyes on her. Be gone, he spat for I would rather die than agree that you should have me. Have me, have me, she cried out, her response a desperate lament. With cold eyes and a colder heart, he knew, as did she in that moment, that he had no love to give her. She was filled with shame at the scorn he sent her way, and that awful feeling tore at her heart, her spirit, so that from that moment on she was never seen at play again in the forest. Her lightness and joy for life had died off as quickly as the spring blossoms. Echo hid her grief in the darkest of mountain caves and the dankest of rotted trunks of trees, in the loneliest depths of the forest that she had once loved so very dearly. She pined and suffered, hiding her grief. When the winds moaned and sighed, it was Echo's voice that carried them onwards. The endless nights were followed by days devoid of hope, 
until one night her body could no longer stand the hurt of Narcissus' rejection, and there, curled up against a cold wall of mountain rock, grief claimed her life at last. Only her voice was left to resound through the land, and although most or even all of the gods have long been forgotten, it is Echo who keeps us company, no matter where we are. That is the story of Echo, and now you know it. But our tale does not end here. For what became of Narcissus, you may wonder? Unscathed by his own cruelty, he lived his self-centered, contented life. Oh, and Echo was not the only nymph who loved the beautiful Narcissus in vain. In fact, one fairy who was not as gentle and sweet as Echo, suffered the same unrequited love. She did not take it lying down. No, she did not. She went straight to the goddess of love and urged, even begged her, to punish Narcissus. And it appears that the goddess listened. Here's what happened. One day Narcissus was hot and tired from the chase, so he searched for and eventually found a pool in the woods where he could relax and quench his thirst. Here, I'll let the immortal romantic poet John Keats take over the tale. In some delicious ramble he had found a little space with boughs all woven round and in the midst of all, a clearer pool than air reflected in its pleasant cool. The blue sky here and there serenely peeping through tendril wreaths fantastically creeping. Hmm. So, as Narcissus bent down to have a drink, he beheld in a reflection in the crystal clear water the most breathtaking eyes he had ever known. The utter joy and surprise he felt at the sight of such beauty, imagining, no, knowing, that he was looking at the most incredible creature on earth, was shared, it seemed, by the lovely nymph looking back at him, who gazed fearlessly from the still waters. Surrounding her head was a halo of curls that even the sun god himself would have to say surpassed his own in their perfection. Her eyes were like deep brown and smooth rocks glimmering in a rippling mountain stream. They were flecked with gold, it seemed, like sunshine. Yet in those eyes were contained unfathomable depths. When, as if in a dream, Narcissus smiled at her in utter rapture, her ruby lips also parted in a warm and loving smile. Completely caught up in the moment with this newly discovered nymph, Narcissus bent down closer to the water, closer, closer, so that he might give her a kiss. She rose up to meet him, it seemed, nearer and nearer still. But then, 
when his mouth would have touched the bow-shaped lips of this most heavenly creature, a bow that was formed to slay hearts, his were met only by the chilly waters of the pool. And just like that, the object of his delight simply disappeared. Just as Echo had pleaded with him to show her some tenderness, the young Narcissus gasped in disappointment and cried out for her to return. He waited in hopes that she would do that. And do you know, when the waters had stilled again, there she was, gazing up into his face with a wistfulness that seemed to express his own desire and longing. In desperation so unlike any he had ever felt before, Narcissus begged her to have pity on him. He loved this beautiful creature and had to be with her. Would she not choose to be with someone as lovely as he? There was, of course, no answer. For although the water nymph clearly reflected his every look of longing and adoration, every time he tried to reach out and take her in his arms, she would disappear in the rippling pool. For hours and hours, until the sun set, and a blanket of gray, and then only moonlight, illuminated his forest home. Heartbroken Narcissus pined for his love and beseeched her to come to him, to love him, to be with him always. But just as the pleas of poor Echo failed to touch the heart of Narcissus, his own went unanswered. As time went on, the face in the pool became wan and as pale as the snow at dawn. For although his hope was dwindling, he could not bear to leave the pool, not to eat, not to sleep, not to do anything but drink water that might have kept him alive. The underwater beauty haunted him until he could no longer raise himself up from the side of the pool and it was under a moonlit sky that Narcissus gave up his last breath, as mortally wounded as one of his own victims of the hunt. His beautiful eyes closed at last, and he was gone, slain like so many others since his own time by a hopeless affection for what was not reality, but an image of his own creation. And when his soul passed over the river to the other side, it stooped over the side of the boat in hopes of catching even a glimpse of the beloved one in the ebony waters. And so it would seem that Echo and the other nymphs who had been scorned and tossed aside by him had been avenged in his death. But still they were racked with sadness and the air was filled by their cries of grief and sorrow again and again. As Echo repeated each lamentation in her own voice, even the gods felt pity over the tragedy of all of this. And so, when it came time for the nymphs 
to put his body on a funeral pyre, one which they had built with their own tiny, fair hands. They could not find the body of Narcissus. For up on Mount Olympus, the gods themselves had decided to turn the beautiful Narcissus into a flower, one that bears his name even today, a white blossom that just keeps his memory sweet. And to Keats we turn again for just the right words. A lonely flower he spied, a meek and forlorn flower, with naught of pride, drooping its beauty o'er the watery clearness, to woo its own sad image into nearness. Deaf to light Zephyrus it would not move, but still would seem to droop, to pine, to love. Ah, so you see, not every story ends happily ever after, but perhaps if it grows where you are, you will seek the sweet face of Narcissus this spring, as it smiles at you from its garden or forest or field home. And next time you hear an echo, you'll know of the nymph who lost her own voice, but will always be here to share yours. And on that note, I thank you for listening to mine and the story of Narcissus and the Echo. And I wish you a good night, night, and sweet dreams, dreams.